the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Paul gives us a good remedy to envy in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. This is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He says, praise be to God. God has been so good to me, and he's blessed me in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know that the answer to envy is for you and I to know our identity in Christ. This is Cornerstone Connection. The radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Proverbs. In the world we live in, it's easy to see all the good things in other people's lives and to become envious of them. Pastor Gary warns us that this is something which can lead to ruin. We are not to be envious of others or what they have, but to instead focus on the good things which God has provided in our lives. If you have found yourself in the habit of wishing for other people's things or wishing that you were them, try to focus on the blessings in your life. God has provided you with great things, unique to you. Open your eyes to them. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Proverbs chapter 20 with part one of his message, Vices in Paradise. couple of Sundays, we've taken a detour from the book of Proverbs because we were with the Christmas story and then last week, the Q&A session. But today, we're back to our study through the book of Proverbs. So if you'll take your Bibles with me, let's go to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. want to also welcome those who are watching online. We have some folks from Dartmouth, Massachusetts who are watching today. So probably because they can't go anywhere after the blizzard, but we're glad to have you with us from Massachusetts. Uh, we have a few Bibles. If you need one, just raise your hand. The ushers are coming up and down the aisles. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20 in the church Bibles is found on page 487. Page 487, Proverbs 20. So in our series through the book of Proverbs, we are going through this book thematically rather than chapter by chapter because that's how this book is written. There are various themes and topics that are woven throughout the tapestry of this whole book. And uh, so we're looking at it thematically rather than chapter by chapter. It's a book with principles and truisms to help with many aspects of daily life. This is a, a book inspired by God with practical advice for a better life. And so far, we've looked at a few different topics through the book of Proverbs. We've looked at the topics of wisdom and money, sexuality, 
friends and family, and speech. And today we're actually going to be looking at the topic of vices, vices. Now, just so that we're all on the same page and have a working definition of what a vice is, we're talking about a moral fault or failing, a weakness of character or behavior, a bad habit. And the book of Proverbs deals extensively uh, with this topic of various bad habits or moral failings. And so we're going to just read a couple of verses here to kind of prime the pump of our study. But Proverbs 20 verses 1 to 4 is what I'm going to read. And then we're going to look at this topic of vices. So Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. A king's wrath is like the roar of a lion. He who angers him forfeits his life. It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. A sluggard does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. Well, throughout the book of Proverbs, there are many character traits that Proverbs talks about, and some character traits are those things that we should emulate and aspire to, and those kind of character traits that we should emulate or aspire to, we would refer to as virtues. But then there are some character traits throughout the book of Proverbs that are things that God tells us to get rid of or to avoid, and those things are what we refer to as vices, those things that are bad habits, moral failings, those areas that are displeasing to the Lord. Proverbs talks extensively about virtues and vices. Uh, Next week, I'm actually going to be out of town speaking at downtown D.C., but the week after, we're going to come back and talk about virtues. We'll pick it up uh, about virtues, but for today, we're going to be looking at vices. What does Proverbs have to say about those things that we should avoid, those things we should get rid of if they're present in our lives? Now, I've made just a short list for you of only 12 vices, but that's a lot longer than this, but here are some of them we find in the book of Proverbs, envy, Greed, drunkenness, gluttony, laziness, quarreling, pride, stubbornness, stealing, anger, revenge, and you're all around foolishness. So this, this is just 12 that I've selected from the book of Proverbs, but there are probably many others we could look at. And in the light of time, we're only going to look at four of these 12. That isn't to say that if I don't happen to mention yours, that you're off the hook. (laughs) Because probably even within the four, we're going to see all of ourselves uh, needing to grow in these areas where we are probably needing to get rid of some stuff. Uh, But it is to say that as we read through Proverbs, and I hope you're doing that independently on your own as well, that you look at some of these topics and you just ask the Lord. Lord, are these things in my life? Is there some pride in my life? Is there, is there some anger in my life? Do, do I eat too much? Am I a little too lazy? Uh, do I pick fights pretty easily? I quarrel a lot. And, and just ask the Lord, Lord, you know, show me these things that I need to get rid of. Show me these things I need to avoid that he might do his good work in our hearts. But for the purpose of today, we're only going to be looking at four. I've just chosen four randomly. Charles Dickens says that vices are sometimes only virtues carried to excess. And there might be some truth to that. Sometimes these things start out 
uh, without harm, and then they turn into vices because they become problematic in our lives. So the four that we're going to look at today, the first one I'm going to start with just happens to be the first one on the list, and it's the topic of envy. So for you note takers, the first vice we're going to look at is the topic of envy. Now, as we look at what envy is about, first we need to define and understand the difference between envy and jealousy. You might be intrigued to learn that in the Bible, jealousy is not as condemned as much as envy. Um, Some types of jealousy is condemned in Scripture, but the Bible is kind of silent on the topic of of jealousy in large part. Only a couple of references to it as a bad character trait. In large part because jealousy often has an element of protection about it, which makes it not always a bad thing. Whereas envy has within it an element of covetousness, which is always a bad thing. So we need to understand the difference. Uh, the Bible actually refers to, as God, to, uh, to God as being jealous. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 24, it says, The Lord is a consuming fire. He says, I am a jealous God. So God even refers to himself as jealous in Scripture. In fact, the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 8, verse 2 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says, I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Now notice, God is not jealous of anyone or anything. He is jealous for, and that's the big difference, because it has this connotation of protection. And when it comes to Zion, in other words, Israel in general, God's people, God says, I'm jealous for her. I'm jealous for the people of Israel. I'm jealous for them because I want to protect them. I love them. And when they are, when harm is inflicted against them, or when they do harmful things, I'm jealous for them. Paul had a similar expression about the church at Corinth that he founded, that he planted. When in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, Paul says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. So Paul speaks there in, in very spiritual fatherly terms about how he's jealous for the church at Corinth because he doesn't want anything bad to happen to them. He doesn't want them to fall into sin. He says, I want to present you as a pure virgin to Christ because we're, we're the, the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. And he says, I'm jealous for, for you people of Corinth. So God is a jealous God. Paul talks about how he's jealous for Corinth. So jealousy is not always a bad thing, especially when it's when you're jealous for. There's a protective element to it. If somebody flirts with your spouse and you get jealous, that's not really a bad thing. You're being protective of your spouse. You don't really like that this guy's hitting on her or vice versa, whatever's happening. And so there's a jealous for that's okay. Jealous of, not a good thing. When, when you resent what someone else has. Or who someone else is. Not a good thing. So that kind of jealousy is condemned in the Bible, but not as much as envy. Envy is condemned throughout the Bible because envy is is about uh, wanting to have what someone has or wishing to be who someone is. That's what envy is. And it is truly, you know this saying, it is that green-eyed monster. Because when you're wanting to have what someone has and you envy what they have, and sometimes it's coupled with resentment. You resent that they have it and that you don't, and you want what they have, or you want to be like them, or you want to be who they are. So that's envy, and that's, that's what's condemned th- throughout the Bible. You, you see a few examples in the early parts of Scripture. Satan rebelled from God. Lucifer was expelled from heaven because he envied God. Because he wanted to be like God. 
And he wanted to have what God had, and he wanted to rule like God ruled. And so Satan envied God, and for that reason, pride filled his heart, and he was expelled from heaven. You see also in the Genesis account, Adam and Eve envied God. Because they believed the lie from Satan that God was holding back on them. And that God actually had a lot more in store for them, but God's kind of a killjoy. And so he's ripping you off and you don't really get all that you deserve. And so they started envying God and they envied what God had. And they envied who God was and they wanted more of what God had. You see, the first murder in the Bible was the result of envy. Cain murdered his brother Abel because he envied Abel. He envied Abel's offering to God. He envied Abel's relationship with God. And envy taken to its full extreme resulted in that case in murder. Jesus calls envy evil. In Mark's Gospel chapter 7, listen to verses 21 to 23. Jesus says, for from within, out of a man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Jesus says all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, he wasn't saying that those are the only things that emanate from the heart, but he's giving a short list. And one of the things he says emanates from the heart, it's a heart issue, is envy. When we want what someone else has when we want to be who someone else is when we envy their lifestyle or who they are what they look like or what they possess or what career they have or who they married that kind of envy is actually evil james in his epistle labeled envy as evil also in james 3 16 he says for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice paul even lists envy Among the acts of the sinful nature in Galatians chapter 5, right alongside other things like witchcraft, hatred, and sexual immorality, there is envy in Galatians chapter 5. So envy is sin, and we need to see it as such. But don't look at these lists of vices and think, well, you know, everybody eats a little too much, you know, and everybody's, there's a little bit of everybody that's lazy, and there's a little bit of everybody that's stubborn, there's a little bit of everybody that's proud, and, you know, don't, don't, don't justify or rationalize and think, well, okay, you know, I mean, if I envy a little bit, a little bit's okay, because a lot of people envy. We need to see these things as sin issues, potentially, and deal with them in our lives. If they're there, get rid of them, and if they're not, avoid them. These are, these are not to be entertained. These are to be dealt with as sin issues, and envy is sin. Jesus calls it evil. James calls it evil. Paul listed in Galatians 5 as part of the sinful nature. So let's look at a couple of verses, what Proverbs has to say about this topic of envy. Here are a couple of verses. Proverbs 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Understand what he, what he means by that. When Solomon is inspired to write this, he said, you know, when you're at peace... It goes well with you. But when you are given to envy and you're always wishing or wanting what someone else had or who someone else is, it just, it has a, it takes a physical toll. I mean, it just becomes something that is obsessive and we can't rest. So a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Also, chapter 23, verse 17, do not let envy, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Now, why would Christians envy sinners? Because, 
You know how it is. Sometimes you look at that, their lifestyle and you go, wow, they seem to be having fun. And, you know, Christianity has some rules and some regulations. And, you know, I, and I kind of miss the good old days. You know, and don't believe the lie, friends. The good old days is when you were leaning over a toilet throwing up all the time after you were clubbing all night. So don't, don't think I miss the good old days. It's just part of the deception. And we can look at sinners and we can sometimes think, well, they seem to be having fun and their life seems to be going well for them. Yeah, momentarily. But on the long-term plan, you're on a much better long-term plan when you follow Christ. So always be zealous for the fear of the Lord and don't let your heart envy sinners. So what's the remedy? Paul gives us a good remedy to envy in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. This is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He says, praise be to God. God has been so good to me, and he's blessed me in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you know that the answer to envy is for you and I to know our identity in Christ, and that if we would realize who we are in Christ and how much God has blessed us in Christ, then we don't need to envy who someone else is or what someone else has, because we're at peace with who we are in Christ. Christ, and we know all his wonderful blessings that he's bestowed upon us in Christ. And when we get our identity in him, and when we rest in the Lord, then we don't have to go around envying. Well, look at what they have, and look at who they are, and look at who they married, and look at what they drive, and look at all this, and I wish I had, and I wish I... Stop the wish list and settle your hearts resting in Christ. It's an identity problem. When we have envy in our heart, it's an identity problem. And the identity problem needs to be fixed by realizing who you are in Christ, resting in Christ. He has made you wonderfully and completely complex in Him. And we give thanks to who God is and the wonderful blessings we have in Him. Stop envying what other people have or who other people are. It's a sin issue, and Jesus calls it evil. Second topic, just again, randomly off of the 12 that I posted earlier, second topic we're going to look at is the topic of drunkenness. Now, this might be a little timely considering we just came off of New Year's Eve. I'm sure this doesn't apply to anybody here, but for the sake of maybe your neighbors, pay attention. (laughs) Now, most people know that the Bible teaches drinking is not the problem, drunkenness is. Okay, so most people understand that the Bible doesn't prohibit the drinking of alcohol. When you look at the sum total of all of Scripture, uh, the problem is drunkenness, not drinking. But that's where it gets tricky. Because now who or what defines drunkenness? At what point does a person go from having one or two to feeling a little buzz till you're drunk. You know, uh, who, who determines that? You know, what, what constitutes drunkenness? I mean, it, is someone drunk when they start to become loud and obnoxious? Is that a key? Is that an indication that they're drunk, loud, and obnoxious? If that's true, then every Philadelphia Eagles fan is drunk. <laughs> Just pray for me, friends. I'm sorry. Or maybe it's when your motor skills are inhibited, 
Or maybe when it's just you're, you're dropped down, passed out. Okay, now, now we can all agree that person's drunk. I mean, at what point on that spectrum is drunkenness? This is where it gets a little tricky. Now, maybe we could define it by the legal standard. The legal standard of the United States of America, if you're going to get uh, uh, arrested for driving while intoxicated, the legal limit is 0.08% blood alcohol content. That's the legal definition for drunkenness across the board in the United States. But now, that, now there's a little wrench in, in the system because the state of Utah last year, and this is effective at the end of 2018, they decided to make it easier for you to be found guilty of drunk driving because they lowered it from 0.08 to 0.05 in the state of Utah. So, which means you could be in Colorado, <laughs> belt down a few, get pulled over, blood alcohol content is 0.07, you're okay in Colorado, drive across state line to Utah, get pulled over, now you're busted because it's 0.05 in Utah. You're busted because now you're drunk and you have pot in your car. Because <laughs> you're from Colorado. Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> Brings new meaning to that song, John Denver. Thank you very much. But anyway, so now I've just busted Philadelphia and Colorado. But bear with me. My point is simply, so is God 0.08 or 0.05? I mean, is, is he Colorado or Utah? And to make matters even more confusing, is God an American standard God or is he a foreign standard God? Because it's easier to get drunk in other countries according to their blood alcohol content le limits and levels. So Japan is 0.03. So you can get drunk easier in Japan with just a couple. And Ukraine, in Ukraine it's 0.02. And in Cambodia it's 0.01%. In Saudi Arabia, alcohol is completely outlawed in the nation, in the country of Saudi Arabia. So you're busted with any alcohol whatsoever. So there it gets all confusing, doesn't it? So it's like, well, what defines now drunkenness? Is it, is it, a slight buzz? Is it drop down, pass out? Is it 0.08? Is it 0.05? Is it 0.01? This is the reason why, quite honestly, that some Christians have a self-imposed standard, and not just Christians, but others as well, have a self-imposed standard, no alcohol. No alcohol at all. The only sure way that you won't get drunk is if you don't drink. I mean, that's the only sure way that you won't get drunk is if you don't drink. This is why Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, everything's permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. And especially some of you who are in recovery. You know what it is. You, it's just completely off limits because you can't be mastered by it. It's a very, it has a very addicting component to it, we know. And so strong caution. Now, look, again, the Bible does not prohibit the consumption of alcohol. But it does strongly caution against it. There are over 230 references in the Bible to alcohol in some various form. And the great majority of those references are cautions about it. Just here in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, there are 15 references to alcohol, either wine or beer. 15 references to alcohol just in the book of Proverbs. And only one out of 15 says anything good about it. And it's in chapter 31, verses 6 and 7. You don't need to turn there, but this is what it says in chapter 31, 6 and 7. It says, if you're in anguish or dying, have some alcohol. 
That's what it says. If you're in pain or you're dying, go out with a bang. You know, just like start, start you know, throwing them back uh, because you're going out. And so that's the only one out of 15 references in the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs 20, verse 1, is a verse I shared at the beginning of our study. It says, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Okay, we know this to be true. People who have too much wine, they start getting cynical and mocking. And, and people who have too much beer always want to fight. They, they do. They, they either become your best friend or they want to beat you up. As we study the book of Proverbs here on Cornerstone Connection, we'll discover that God is interested in more than just the big picture. God desires that every area of our lives, even the tiny details, to reflect His power and purpose. This is what we learn as we study these practical nuggets of truth which apply to all areas of our lives. If you'd like to access more of these messages from the book of Proverbs, you'll be able to do so at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We've compiled a library of many of Pastor Gary's teachings there, and we invite you to listen to, download, or share any of them. Did you know you can even take them with you on the go? Cornerstone Connection has a mobile app designed to bring you God's Word whenever and wherever you are. You'll find a link under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. The app allows you to stay connected to us by sharing prayer requests, visiting our website, or checking out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. You can even join us live each weekend at Cornerstone Chapel, right from your smart device. Again, that app can be found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our time is up for today. But be sure to join us next time for more from the book of Proverbs right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.